Welcome to the Joy of Sunflowers podcast. We release podcasts here, in part and in full, on the Joy of Sunflowers website. The Joy of Sunflowers podcast is about sisterhood through infertility and pregnancy loss. We cover a range of topics including fertility, pregnancy after loss and so much more. I speak with a range of people including wellness professionals, medical experts and beautiful mamas. The aim of this podcast is to bring you information and experiences that will validate and equip you for whatever season you find yourself in right now. Hi, welcome to the Joy of Sunflowers. You're about to watch a video with Elise, who is a a yoga instructor and mama. She is going to go through her lost story and her rainbow baby and uh, why she got into the yoga space. Okay, hello. My name is Elise, and I'm an advanced yoga teacher. I'm a very dedicated practitioner. I like to always throw that in there because yoga is definitely a lifestyle to me. It's much more important that I embody it in my life um, than anything else. And like all of you, I have my own story, my own struggle with conception and loss. And because of that, now I teach women who are trying to conceive after loss or infertility. Um, So I'm also the creator and founder of the Empowered Conception Path, which is a yoga program specifically to help women who are trying to conceive after loss or infertility really just cope with the the overwhelm and the stress of it all to help them reduce stress and just stay mentally and physically healthy on this journey. And so I'd love to share with you my story and what brought me to this place. It's been a while now <laughs> since I've been doing this. So it's always interesting to try to go back, go back there and recall everything after so much work has been done and so much healing has been done, which is a good thing. And I'll talk about that too. I was never someone who always wanted to be a mom. It was something that I knew would happen. I I always sort of pictured it like I knew I would have kids. Uh, But in my 20s, I was definitely, I felt like I was irresponsible. Like I, just the way I was brought up. Sorry, I'm just making sure actually I have the right microphone on. Okay, good. (laughs) Uh, I just, in my 20s, the thought of having kids was, it, it just never even entered my mind at all. And in fact, I was so naive, I guess you could say, uh, that I used to say that, you know, if I couldn't have kids, uh, I would be okay with that. That if I was someone who could not have kids, that I would just be okay with that. That's something that I would think and say, and looking back on that is totally incorrect and very ignorant and stupid, but that's just how I felt at the time. 
And so it wasn't, I didn't start trying to conceive until I was 30. I was with my partner for about five years at that time. So uh, in a solid relationship for sure, uh, someone I knew I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And I think when you don't have that urgency uh, to conceive, something definitely happens to your biological clock when you turn 30. It's like, you know, in the back of your mind that soon you're going to have to take some action on this if this is what you want. And when you turn 30, it's like, okay, you're kind of ready to start taking action, especially if you're, you're with someone at that point, right? Um, if you're not, then you're probably ready to find someone to settle down with. Um, and so I started trying, I was 30 and just trying like casually, right? Nothing, no tracking or anything like that. Uh, seeing, hoping it, it happened. After rounding up on about a year of it not happening, I thought it was time to take my efforts a little more seriously and start tracking ovulation and maybe go get things checked out. So I went to my family doctor. They did like a preliminary test, so not a fertility specialist at this stage. Everything checked out. The next stage would be to go to a fertility specialist if you still want more testing done or if any red flags show up. And my partner had to do his sperm analysis and didn't really feel any urgency to do that. So that cup just kind of sat in our apartment and did nothing for a while. And I remember I went to India for a month nearing the end of our second year of trying and and I said to myself okay when when I come back we're going to take this really seriously and a couple months after I came back sure enough we got a positive pregnancy test and this had been after a couple years of trying and I was obviously super happy over the moon. <laughs> Excuse me. Couldn't. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have like a tickle in my throat. So I'm sorry if this happens. Um, yeah, I couldn't believe it. It was finally <clears throat> our turn. I'd spent months going through it, going through the symptom spotting and the Googling and the daydreaming and the hoping and just being in my head, wanting it to happen, wondering if it would happen, envisioning it happening month after month, you know, getting disappointed when your period comes month after month. And then here we were like it, it's happening, but like everyone, you don't get too excited right away, whether you've had a loss or not. You know that the first trimester is the the, the high risk, um, you know, the highest risk of miscarriage. You know that you want to wait until that 12-week mark to tell people to start feeling confident about it. And so, you know, that's what I did. I waited and 
I had an ultrasound at about nine weeks. Everything looked good. And so, yeah, the 12-week mark came and went. I told everyone, started planning. And I remember going into a midwife appointment at 14 weeks. They tried to listen to the heartbeat and she couldn't find it. But she also 14 weeks is early and to find it with the that that machine <laughs> and um, <clears throat> she wasn't concerned at all. She she said it could be like the placentas in front or, you know, we just can't hear it. It's like nothing to be worried about at this stage. Um, so she didn't seem worried. And I'm like I said, my life is yoga. OK, I wasn't worried. I'm not a super stressed out person. Um, so if she wasn't worried, I honestly like wasn't worried either. But okay, cool. And so a couple weeks go by and I was away for my birthday for my 33rd birthday. And I was in Montreal. So that's where I was born. That's where I'm from. I'm in Toronto right now. Um, well, Niagara Falls actually. But anyway. Um, I went to Montreal for my birthday for a weekend and, um, I started, I went to the washroom and there was like a little bit of spotting, like brownish. And again, I'm not a super stressed out person and I don't worry. And I, I thought, okay, I, I didn't like seeing that. But at the same time, it wasn't like red period blood. I wasn't feeling any pain or anything like that. And I just thought, this might be normal. And you do some Googling and it's like, it could be normal. It could not be. Also, I'm in, I'm in Montreal right now. I'm like, okay, well, it's, it's not bad. It kind of like stopped. Like I just had like, when I wiped, I would see it. And then there was nothing. So I thought, okay. Hopefully everything's fine. And then when I came back from that trip, the spotting was continuing. And then uh, that's when I really started to, I don't want to say panic, but but panic in a way, like get really concerned, really ask around. Like I messaged my midwife, of course, and she had told me, okay, come in like, the next day, come in and see me and We'll, we'll look for the heartbeat. And by the time going into that midwife appointment, you know, and I think if you've been in this experience, you know when things aren't going right and you have this feeling like something's, this isn't good this is likely happening. I'm probably having a miscarriage. And she obviously tried to find the heartbeat and there was no heartbeat. And then she had to send me to get ultrasound because they have to be sure. Um, and the way that it works like in Canada is that you have to go see an ultrasound technician. They don't just like do it right there. Um, and then the technician has to call the doctor or the midwife, and then they report back to you. So it's kind of, you kind of get the runaround. And so I went into a walk-in ultrasound clinic and it was, this place was packed and I walked in just like 
tears. Um, didn't care. They they sent me in right away. <laughs> they did not make me wait at all. Um, they sent me in right away, and the ultrasound technician did her thing. They don't tell you anything. And I got in the car, and then my midwife called. And, of course, she asks, are you driving? Yes, I am. <clears throat> Maybe you should call me back when you get home. No, just tell me now. And, uh, yeah, I had a miscarriage, a, a missed miscarriage. So the baby had stopped developing at about uh, f- just before 14 weeks. <clears throat> and I didn't have any symptoms until 16 weeks. So in my mind, I was 16 weeks pregnant. And so I got back to my apartment and my landlord was there and she had just been on vacation for like a month or so, a a long time. And she knew I was pregnant and she's outside with her daughter-in-law and her baby. And she's like, hey, so excited to see me because it's been so long. And I'm just like, cry right away <clears throat> i'm having a miscarriage it was terrible i felt really bad for them it was a very awkward moment <laughs> um it was really it was just terrible and she obviously she was de- like you know very concerned and and then i just like snuck in my apartment and that's when i called my midwife back and i had to go to the hospital and of course when you go to the hospital you're in the labor and delivery unit and it's uh, the hospital I went to as well. was like, not, it wasn't nice. It was old. And I always wanted a home birth and I, I did end up having home birth. I'll get to that. But, um, so I was just, I didn't want to be anywhere near this, this place. And, um, especially in these conditions, but I just remember being in so much pain, like emotionally, I was very sad. I was very, It's like there was, I was like split into two parts. There's a part of me that was very accepting of what was going on as it was happening. Okay, this is happening. I'm having a miscarriage. This is okay. This is sad, but it's okay. I'll be okay. And then there was a part of me that the, the grieving, the grieving part of me. I wasn't, it was just just keeps hitting you in waves that it's gone. It's gone. You know, your baby's gone and it's not happening. And everything you've been planning for and thinking about and dreaming about is just swept away. And for us, after two years of trying, it just felt like we were climbing a mountain and and you could see the peak of that mountain and all of a sudden just with just one swoop you're back at the bottom again and because everyone knew in my life it was like i constantly had to tell people about it like, through text message or whatever and every time i had to tell someone about it even write it down it was so painful it's like this new wave of emotion would just hit me. It was very, it was the saddest I've ever felt. And I really have to think about it now to get emotional about it. I don't get emotional about it now because so much time has passed, so much has happened. 
Um, but if I'm really in it, if I really think about think about it, I can still get emotional about that time because it was very, 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 very painful. If you're listening to this, you likely already know. Anyway, luckily, I did not need um, a, any surgery or, or anything. I was at the hospital overnight. And um, yeah, I went home the next day and went through it. You know, felt felt all of the emotions, spent time with family and friends, and uh, I just grieved. I grieved. And I've, I've never felt... Luckily, I've never felt that kind of loss before in my life. Like I've been very um, lucky that I, I haven't lost anyone close to me. Um, and so that was really like, that was a lesson in grief itself, that whole experience. And and I'm grateful for that now, actually, because I'm able to be a lot more like compassionate with with people when they're going through something like this, any kind of a loss really, and to be able to connect and understand it better. I think that's something I'm grateful for actually, because I had never experienced that type of pain. And of course you, it's like you, you join this miscarriage club that exists and until you're in it, you don't, you just don't understand how hard it is and how pain, how painful it is, really. How much of a loss it truly is. And so, you know, before my miscarriage, I would be that person who would say things like, you know, it's common and at least, you know, you can get pregnant. Like I wouldn't say necessarily those things to that person, but that's what I would think. And, um, yeah, now I just I would never ever say any of those things <laughs> to anyone who who's had a miscarriage. It's just nothing but I'm sorry for your loss. It's that sucks. It's terrible. I'm here for you. There's nothing, there's no silver lining. There's no silver lining. And um yeah, learning that you have to experience it to know. So it's not. It's not other people's fault that they do say those things, right? They just don't know. They haven't experienced it, and that's a good thing because it sucks. And that's the other interesting thing is that was one of the only things, and that's what I love about this event and and even speaking about this now, is one of the only things that brought me any level of comfort was actually speaking to women that I knew that had been through this. And knowing that there were women out there who felt my exact pain, that actually brought me comfort. But it also sucks at the same time because you also never want any woman to feel that way ever, ever. I really hope you enjoyed the first part of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit thejoyofsunflowers.com. Please note that all speakers, including experts and professionals, express information, views and opinions that should not be used to diagnose, treat, 
cure or prevent any medical conditions. If you have a medical issue, please consult a qualified professional. Speakers voice their own views, opinions and conclusions and they may not reflect the views, opinions and conclusions of other speakers. Ella Rose, The Joy of Sunflowers and its sponsors may not endorse all or any of the views, opinions or conclusions expressed.